Please join me in praying. Heavenly Father, please open our hearts and minds to receive from your word. That by your spirit we would be transformed. Encourage and equip us in all areas of life to live kingdom first. Every day of every week of every year for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to please be seated. This weekend, I discovered something. I learned that within Frisco, there are a lot of white Honda minivans. Just pay attention to them when you pay attention sometime when you're driving around. There's a lot of white Honda minivans. And as I was walking out of a place and walked up to my minivan, and I hit the unlock button. And nothing happened. So I just opened the door and I thought, why did I not lock my door? And as I opened the door and looked inside, my first thought that ran through my mind, when did we get a navigation system? (laughs) Now my second thought quickly was, whose car is this? Which led to a third, third question in my mind, how do I get away from this car before somebody thinks I'm trying to break into it? And as I'm moving across the street to my minivan, I then thought, And who in the world would rip off a minivan? (laughs) If I'm going to steal a car, why would it be a minivan? But I had some keys, but they weren't the right ones. There was no way for me to start that minivan. I could have gotten in, but there was no power. I wasn't going anywhere. I could start mine, but I couldn't do anything with this one. I needed the right keys to get this minivan going. And this morning, I want to talk about one particular key to living kingdom first. If we are talking about our lives aligning with Jesus, what we call living kingdom first, it's not easy to do that. But I want to give one key this morning to help us live kingdom first. If you would, open up your Bible to Mark chapter 15. We're continuing this series We just went through the trial of Jesus and the denials of Peter, which happened in parallel. It was the same time that was going on. And we hit verse 1 of chapter 15. And as soon as it was morning, they had to wait because the Romans wouldn't start any proceedings until it was morning. The chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. Again, the same people. This is really kind of talking about what's already happened, what was going on during the early morning. They bound Jesus, and they led him away, and they delivered him over to Pilate. Now remember, in the scene of the trial, it ends where he gets beaten. So here is a man who has never resisted, who when they came to arrest him said, are you coming out like I'm a robber? And they bind him again, even though he has got a, he's bloody, he's bruised, he's not resisted, but he's bound, and they take him to Pilate. And the reason they're taking him to Pilate primarily is because they could not legally execute him. Now, they probably could have just killed him, but the problem is he had so many people that followed him that without Rome being behind it, it could have caused an uprising. The only way for them to do this is to get it legally done. 
And so they bring him to Pilate. And the Roman governor has the power of life and death over any non-Roman citizen. They can just do what they want with a non-Roman citizen. And so they bring him there. He's bound. Verse 2, and Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? All right, please notice the primary offense that they're bringing to Rome is kingship. Because Pilate could care less about the religious squabbles. But if you've got a guy going around saying he's king as opposed to Caesar, now you're setting him up for something. So that's the charge that Pilate's getting, and that's why he asked the question, are you the king of the Jews? And, and actually, it's interesting because in Greek, it's more of a statement with an implied question. It's almost like, so you're king of the Jews, right? You're, you're the king of the Jews? Almost that kind of thing. But it's almost a statement with an implied question. And that's important for Jesus' answer. And he answered him, you have said so. When you know that what's behind this is a statement with an implied question, then when you get Jesus basically giving a somewhat vague answer, okay, well, you've said so. Is that a yes or a no? Do you agree with this or not? Which is very different from what he just did, right? What happened when he was on trial? You will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. I mean, it was very clear and up front, but now you have said so. And the chief priest accused him of many things. Hey, so get the scene. You've got Pilate, the Roman governor. You've got this bound and beaten Jewish peasant. And now he's surrounded by the Sanhedrin, all of these religious leaders, and they are the religious leaders, and they begin to accuse him. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. Right, this sounds like almost a mob, I mean, they're just accusing him and throwing out things. But Jesus made no further answer. So that Pilate was amazed. The entire paragraph has led to that. Pilate is amazed. Now, you need to know something about this word. So Lake Superior State University every year publishes a list of banished words. Words they think need to be gone. And the words come both from what they do, but also people write in and give them the words that are overused. In 2012, the top word was the word amazed. Like, get rid of this word. And here were some of the explanations for it. Every talk show uses this word at least two times every five minutes. Hair is not amazing. Shoes are not amazing. There are any number of adjectives far more descriptive. I once saw Martha Stewart use the word amazing six times in the first five minutes of her television show. Another person said, banish it for blatant overuse and incorrect use to stop my head from exploding. And this one, because I have a dog. Anderson Cooper used it three times recently in the opening 45 seconds of his program. My teeth grate, my hackles rise, and even my dog is getting annoyed. But this one here, this gives you an idea of the word amazing. The word which once aptly described the process of birth is now used to describe such trivial things as toast or the color of a t-shirt 
When it says Pilate is amazed, it's not talking about toast or the color of a t-shirt. He's astonished. He's marveling. He's looking at this man and going, wow, why is he so amazed? What brings that out in him? So go back to the scene. You've got this court with the Roman governor, the power of life and death. You have a peasant. He's a peasant. He's got no formal training. He's been beaten. He's got a black eye and a bloody lip, and he's bound. And surrounding this peasant are the religious leaders, not just some guys off the streets, but the high priest, the Sanhedrin. And they are just accusing him and accusing him. And Pilate knows, and you see this in multiple accounts, he knows they're overdoing things. Like he knows that this guy is not everything they're saying. And he also knows that he, Pilate, can save this guy. The expectation would have been something like begging, terror, defense, you know, defending myself against all those that are slandering me, something like that. But you would never picture this guy, this Jewish peasant, you'd never picture him standing calmly, bloody, bruised, and bound his life on the line, false accusations thrown in all directions, the power to save him right in front of him. And he stands calmly and silently there and lets it happen. And Pilate is going, wow, who is this guy? Who does that? Who can do that? He is amazed by this guy. Because what you see and how he acts don't connect. On Veterans Day 2015, Preston Sharp went to visit his grandfather's tomb. His grandfather was a veteran who had died. And he went to visit his tomb and he brought a flag and flowers. And he looked around and most of the other veteran tombs had nothing. They were empty. And he made a decision that he wanted to do something about it. 2015. Today, because of what he did, there are 210,000 tombs across 25 states that have flags and flowers on them started a nonprofit. This is the vision for his nonprofit. With your help, we can honor veterans across the country every day, not just on a holiday, and bring awareness and prevention to veteran suicide. It's gone from not just recognizing and honoring, but for those still living, how do we help prevent the suicides? Your contributions help me deliver to this worthy cause. I need your help. In March, on Veterans Day of 2015, he was 10. 
10 years old. Are you amazed? You're somewhat amazed by what has been accomplished, but when you find out he's 10, it's like, that does not fit. I don't see a 10-year-old spearheading a movement, starting a nonprofit. The same thing is happening to Pilate. I don't see this Jewish peasant who's beaten and bloody and bound and fighting for it. No, wait, he's not fighting for his life. Why? <laughs> he's amazed by Jesus. And it leads me to a question and also to the key that I want to talk about. Are you amazed by Jesus? And I don't mean the talk show host. I don't mean the toast and the color of a t-shirt. I mean the giving birth. Are you amazed by Jesus? Because that is a huge key. Because this is the point I want to make. If you are not amazed by Jesus, it will be really, really difficult to be a disciple of Jesus. That our amazement of him leads to our discipleship following him. And you know this is true in your life. I want you to think about some of the people that you most admire, that you look up to, the leader that you thought at some point, I'd like to be like that, the teacher. So I chose English to be my major partly because of a 10th grade English teacher I had. I was amazed by his teaching. It changed me. It influenced me so much that I wanted to make that decision in my life. Think about the people that you most remember from your past. Something about them amazed you. Something about the way that they treated other people. Something about a skill that they had that you wish you had. Something amazed you about them. And at some point, it may have even made you go like this. I want to be like that. Why? Because you were amazed. You went, wow, that is worth following. That's worth pursuing. So about a year or two ago, while I was at the gym, I was somewhat plateaued. I was struggling, trying to figure out how to make a difference, because my workouts had seemed just kind of flattened out. And there was this guy that was at the gym almost every time I was. Now, there was a difference between the two of us. We may have gone to the gym at the same time, but he was ripped. And I was not. And, and one day, not in a creepy way, <laughs> I observed him because this guy was doing something different than what most of the other yahoos at the gym like me were doing. And I was watching the way he was working out and thinking, okay, that is producing that. And I began to change the way I was working out. 
Yesterday, at the gym, I happened to see two guys, one who was trying to help the other guy work out. And the one guy who was helping the other guy, he's like, all right, do this, do this. No, one arm at a time. No, not this. No, start with the lighter weight. Do this. And he's doing all this stuff. I'm at this bench. They're at this bench. So I'm not really creepily watching them either. But they're there. And you can't help hearing this. But the part that stood out is that the guy who was being helped was basically ignoring the other guy. He tried to get heavier weights. He's doing this. No, 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 don't do that. Do this. No, don't do that. Do this. And I look at the two of them. I know why he was ignoring him. Because there was also a difference between the guy that I began to try to emulate and this guy. This guy was overweight, had no evidence that he was actually ever been to a gym before. And if I'm the guy on the bench, why do I want to listen to you? Like you, literally, I'm, I almost, I looked at him, I thought, you should stop talking now. Like until there's something amazing about you that gives some evidence you have a clue what you're doing, you probably should stop talking and just let him work out. When we are amazed by people, it can change us because they become worth following. They become worth emulating. Here's the thing. We can be amazed by Jesus, not just for the Sunday school answer. What's the Sunday school answer to every question? Jesus. But there are things about him that are amazing. Now, there are the things like his miracles and his exorcisms. And if you ever look closely at those things, they are amazing. But I want to talk about something that we might relate to in a different way. His character. Let's talk for a minute about integrity. He taught Turn the other cheek, love your enemies, and then in the scenes that we have been going through and will continue to go through leading up to his crucifixion, he actually does that. He does not slander back the people that slander him even though they deserve it. He does not attack back when they start beating him. When he is on the cross, he asks forgiveness for the people that put him there. That's integrity. That's somebody who actually says, here's what I believe, and then he does it to an extreme degree. How is your integrity? He's worth emulating. His commitment Every morning we think, based on just the, the random examples we get, Jesus got up early and spent time with the Father. I mean, a lot of time. And he did it no matter how much he did the day before. No matter how late he stayed up, he still got up and he spent time with the Father. Because that was his commitment to the Father, to spirituality, to ministry, to his calling. His commitment in the garden. We studied the garden. We studied that moment 
where in Luke's gospel it says he's sweating drops of blood. It is so bad. He spends a decent amount of time praying and seeking and begging and hoping, and yet he stands up and he says, your will be done because I am so committed to you. His compassion. Multiple times in the Gospels, he heals because of compassion, and he does it even in a moment where he shouldn't. Have you ever been just so exhausted you had no compassion left even for like your kids? I mean, let alone a stranger. You just, you're so overwhelmed and so exhausted. There's a point where he tries to get away and all of these strangers follow him and they just show up at Jesus' moment of me time. And he looks out at all of them and he doesn't see a bunch of people trying to take his time. He sees a bunch of people who are lost and he gives his time to them because that's the kind of person he was. I'm a Christian because I fell in love with Jesus, literally. I was seeking a religious tradition to be a part of. I was studying other faiths. And then I began to read the Gospels and I saw a man that amazed me, a man who held to his principles all the time a man who was so humble and yet had no reason to be. He created the universe and then he washed the dirty feet of some men who didn't even understand who he was. He was so humble and he did not need to be. He deserves our worship, not washing our feet. And just looking at his life, the little glimpse we have of his life, I was amazed by this person. And that day in a non-denominational church where they did an altar call at the end and they went with every head bowed and every eye closed and that terrible line, if you are sick and tired of being sick and tired and you want Jesus in your life, will you raise your hand I see that hand. I see that hand. I'm gonna wait a little longer because Jesus has more. But one of those more was me. And I raised my hand. And I'm here today because of the character and person and amazement of who Jesus is. He is amazing. But even if you are amazed by Jesus, and you should be, Amazement alone is not enough. That amazement needs to lead to an allegiance to Jesus. Because the interesting thing is, if you go through the Gospels, there's also a number of stories of people who are amazed by Jesus. When he is 12 years old at the temple, the religious leaders are amazed by Jesus. In the beginning of his ministry, as he is casting demons out and he's teaching, people are like, wow, and it uses the word, they are amazed by Jesus. In fact, more than once, crowds come up and they are amazed by him. And then the account we're in right now, Pilate, he's amazed by Jesus. But do you know what none of it seemed to lead, led to? Got that word, lead, led to? They're not 
following him as disciples. When you get to the cross, they're all gone. You see, they were amazed, and they should be, as we should be, but the amazement was nothing more than them admiring or being fans, or at times they want to use him. They're amazed at what he can do, and so they want to use him. But they're not amazed in the sense of going, wow, I want to be like him. I want to follow this man. Not use him, not stand off and clap for him, like, wow, you're cool. And do you know how easy it is to be amazed but do nothing about it? Here is a prediction I have. I'm not a prophet, but I'm gonna make a prediction. I'm gonna make a prediction that nobody in this room goes home today and goes to Preston Sharp's website and donates. But I will also bet that everybody in this room is amazed by that story. You're amazed by that kid and what he did. Because see, Far too often, our amazement doesn't actually lead to anything. Sometimes it does. It led to me choosing a major. But sometimes it doesn't. We need to be amazed by Jesus. Because when we are amazed, it builds something in us. It's like looking at that guy who was working out and going, I want to do that. Because look what it has done for him. And when we start looking at the character of Jesus, look at that compassion, look at that commitment, look at that integrity. I'm amazed by that and I wanna be that. And it is one of the keys to inspiring us and strengthening us and saying, yes, I want to follow that. But we have to take the steps. We gotta move into it or it doesn't do anything. We're just fans. So, here is my application for you. Number one, I know it is true that familiarity breeds contempt. The more familiar we are with something, the less it kind of, it loses something, right? I mean, when you first moved into that new home, and you, you I mean, it was amazing, it was wonderful, and, you, and then over time, you kind of forgot. You got that new car, and you vacuumed it for like two weeks straight. Then it was one week at a time, and then it was every six months because it just kind of loses something. You know, I, I want you all to consider something if you are married. There's a reason you married the person you married. You were amazed by them. When, when you met and when you dated and when you moved into this engagement, you were amazed by them. Their beauty, their character, the way they made you laugh, something or probably many things about them amazed you. And then over time, you got more and more familiar. Same thing can happen with Jesus. And the answer is the same too. If you have moved away from that, because with our spouse, have you ever done this before? Especially early on, you saw some amazing thing in them and thought, I wanna do that. 
You saw a particular patience and you went, I wanna be that patient. You were amazed. My encouragement for you is to remember that amazement. But my encouragement for you is to remember that amazement with Jesus. My encouragement for you is to start reading your Bible and asking this question, what do I learn about Jesus? Not just what do I apply or what does the story tell me or yeah, I've read that before, but asking yourself this question, what do I see in Jesus as I read this? And then acting on it, doing something about it so that we become more like him. So here's what I feel like in my Honda car. I don't actually have a key that goes in and turns it on. I just have the key fob. And I can press start, and the car will start up, and then I can get out of the car. And when I get out of the car and walk away, it goes beep, 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 because it's letting me know I don't have the key fob anymore. And if I go get back in the car, the car, and I don't have, let's say I put the key fob on the counter, the car will still run. It just won't go anywhere. You can't make it go forward. And to be honest, that is sometimes how I feel in my Christian life. I don't feel like I haven't started anything. I do feel like I've started something. I feel like there's a commitment. I feel like things matter to me. Jesus matters to me. I just feel like sometimes I'm not moving forward. I'm not going anywhere. One of the keys to going somewhere is being amazed by Jesus and letting that amazement drive and inspire us to want to be like him and to have our allegiance to him and to him alone. That is a key to living kingdom first. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son your incredible commitment to us. And especially as we move through this season and we move towards Holy Week, Lord, let the amazement of your great love and sacrifice grow in our hearts. And as we look at the life of your son, Lord, help us be amazed by who he is. That we would want to be more like him and that we would take the steps to do so. In Jesus' holy name, amen.